Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we are here with Nir Eyal. Nir is the author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products and Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Previously, he taught as a lecturer in marketing at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and Design School and sold two technology companies since 2003. For most of his career, he has worked in the video gaming and advertising industries where he relearned and applied and at times rejected the techniques used to motivate and manipulate others. He writes to help companies create behaviors that benefit their users while educating people on how to build healthful habits in their own lives. This is going to be an incredible chat, so let's get right into it. Nir, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. I should say welcome back to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm honored that I'm a repeat guest. Thanks so much for having me back. No, thank you so much for being here today. I've been asking every single one of my guests to tell us a bit more about their story. Um, where did it start and what made you become an author? Oh, let's see. So I didn't plan to be an author. Um, I didn't know you could make a living doing this. Uh, frankly, you know, I was a startup founder. Uh, I started two tech companies. The first was in the solar energy business, and we sold that company back in 2006. And then uh, I went to business school. Uh, and then uh, at business school, I started another company in the advertising and gaming industry. And it was at the intersection of these two industries that I learned these techniques that and that became my first book. So after my first, sorry, after my second company was acquired, I had some time on my hands and I thought I was going to start another company. And I knew that habits would be super important. Why did I know this? Because this was around uh, 2012. Uh, so this was about four years after the first iPhone. And I could tell that as the interface was shrinking, as the visual interface shrank from desktop machines to laptops, to mobile devices, to wearable devices. And today with Amazon Alexa, we have these auditory devices. As the screen shrank and eventually disappeared, habits would become increasingly important. So even today, if you're not on someone's home screen of their phone, if they don't remember to use you, you don't exist, right? You might as well not even build your app because you can't get people to use it because the visual real estate, right? The, 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 uh, uh, the space with which we could send people these external triggers to prompt them to action, shrank and then eventually disappeared. And so I saw that reality back in 2012. I knew this was going to happen. And so I wanted to figure out how can I build the kind of product that creates consumer habits. Mm -hmm. And then I looked around, I was like, well, where's the book on how to build habit forming products? And I didn't find such a book. So I started talking to my former clients, my friends in the Valley, uh, people who were building companies like Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack and Snapchat. I started, I, you know, many of these people were my friends and clients and classmates from business school. 
And I started gathering these uh, these secrets together, if you will, with the goal of understanding how to build my next company. But then as I was I was blogging about this kind of stuff just for myself and, you know, a few of my friends. And then my blog uh, was read by one of my professors at Stanford. Uh, and he said, hey, let's go teach a class together. What do you think? I really like your stuff. I'd like to invite you to teach a class. And he kind of gave me carte blanche to teach this class. And that class uh, at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford became this book, Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, my first book. And um, so, yeah, so then I, I I wrote that book. I didn't mean to you know be a published author, but it started getting a lot of uh, five-star reviews on Amazon. And then I got picked up, you know, I originally self-published it, and then it got picked up by Portfolio, and uh, which is a, 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 a division of Random House. And um, uh, then I, a few years later, uh, I wanted to look at the other side of the story, right? So Hooked is about how to build good habits through the technologies we use. And Indistractable is about how do we break the bad habits, uh, some of them having to do with technology as well. They're not a negation. It's not hooked and unhooked. It's yep. about how we can have our cake and eat it too. It's that we can have good habits through the technologies we use, right? We, we mm -hmm. want to steal Silicon Valley's secrets so that we can make the kind of habit-forming products to help people exercise more and eat right and learn a new language and save money. All these products exist now, many of them inspired from the hook model. There's all kinds of companies in every conceivable industry that build habits for good. Now, Indistractable is about, well, if we, you know, how, what do we do about the bad habits? So it's not the same products, right? We want to create a habit around uh, exercise and learning a new language with the technologies we use. But we also want to break the bad habits around uh, checking email too much or going to too many stupid Zoom meetings or whatever the case might be. We want to break those bad tech habits as well. That's fantastic. And one of the things that I really like about your books and, and about your philosophy around uh, around focus is that you don't need to eliminate technology. There are some people out there that say technology is bad. It's inherently bad. It's getting us distracted. I remember our first chat that we had and even in your books, you know, you embrace technology. You just tell us to use it in a different way. Now, I want to really dig deeper into distraction because it's the topic of your second book. And you talk about triggers, external and internal triggers. Do you mind explaining to our audience what they are and why they make us distracted? Right. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of books and a lot of uh, gurus out, out there that tell you that technology is the problem. And uh, it's the kind of advice that some academic with tenure can tell you, you know, stop using your cell phone so much. Well, thanks, stupid. I'm going to get fired if I stop using my device, right? Like I can't do that. Um, so what I really wanted was a practical approach. It takes us a long time as a society to figure out how to use these tools effectively. And so what I want to do is to uh, accelerate that as much as possible by digging deep into the root cause of distraction. You know, many of us, we blame the external triggers, the pings, the dings, the rings, all the things in our outside environment but studies find that that's only the source of 10% of our distractions. They've actually done time studies on people. Only 10% of the time that we get distracted is it because of an external factor. So what's the other 90%? Turns out 90% of the time that we get distracted, it's not because of what's happening outside of us, but rather 90% of distraction begins from within, right? These are called internal triggers. What are internal triggers? Internal triggers are uncomfortable sensations that we seek to escape. Loneliness, boredom, fatigue, uncertainty, stress, anxiety. This is the root cause of 90% of our distractions. So if we are going to tackle distraction, this for me is the most important lesson, is that we have to be honest 
with why we are getting distracted in the first place. Because let me tell you, so whether it's too much news, too much booze, too much football, too much Facebook, you are always going to find a distraction somewhere unless you understand the deeper cause of distraction, which is why the first step to becoming indistractable is mastering those internal triggers or they will become your master. You have to understand what are those uncomfortable emotional states and use them as rocket fuel. And this is what high performers do. What I learned in my five years of doing research for this book, Indistractable, is that high performers also feel these internal triggers. They also feel bored and lonely and stressed and anxious, just like the rest of us. But what they do about it is different, okay? Instead of escaping it, right? Oh, this task is hard or I'm stressed or I'm anxious or I don't know what to do. I'm uncertain. Instead of escaping it with distraction, high performers use that internal trigger as rocket fuel to propel them towards traction rather than distraction. And so that's what we have to learn to do to become indistractable. All right. You actually just talked, uh, touched upon something that I wanted to ask you uh, because not a lot of people really make the association between traction, distraction. And you talk about this in your book. Can you let our audience um, uh, understand a bit better what traction is and, and again, what distraction is in real words. Yeah, so this is super important. Uh, it's one of those words that we all think we know what they mean, but it's really important to define them, I think, because uh, you can't really under, you know, solve a problem unless you understand what you're talking about. And so if you want to know what is distraction, the best way to understand what distraction is, is to ask yourself, what is not distraction? What's the antonym of the word distraction? The opposite of distraction is not focus. You hear that a lot, right? I don't want to be distracted. I want to be focused, right? How do I focus on my work? That's not actually the opposite of the term. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction, okay? Both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And you'll notice that both traction and distraction end in the same six-letter word, action, which reminds us that distraction is not something that happens to us, but rather it is an action that we ourselves take. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you said you were going to do, things that move you closer to your goals and help you become the kind of person you want to become. Those are acts of traction. The opposite of traction, distraction, distraction is any action that pulls you further away from what you said you were going to do, further away from your goals, further away from becoming the kind of person you want to become. So this is really, really important. This isn't just semantics. This is super important because I would argue any action can be traction or distraction based on one word. And that one word is intent. But the time you plan to waste, as Dorothy Parker said, is not wasted time. So we need to stop moralizing and medicalizing these normal behaviors. If you want to watch Netflix, if you want to play a video game, if you want to be with your kids, that's fine. These aren't distractions if it's what you plan to do with your time and attention. Conversely, just because something's a work-related task, this is what I found in my five years of research, most distraction is not the stuff people think it is, yeah. okay? Most distraction is not video games and social media. Most distraction is the kind of stuff we think is a distract. we think is work, right? Yeah. Uh, let me just check these emails real quick. Let me just scroll on that Slack channel. But meanwhile, if you have that big project you said you were gonna work on, just because those other things are work-related doesn't mean they're not a distraction. In fact, they're more of a distraction because you don't even realize they've distracted you. So we need to make sure we can focus on the hard and important work as opposed to the easy and urgent work that we have to do to move our lives and careers forward. 
Makes total sense. And going back to triggers that we we're talking about earlier, you talk about recording triggers and really being mindful of when they happen and, and, and eventually, of course, why they happen. Can you tell us the process, how you would go about your day? And uh, just as an example of a trigger happens and what you do about it. Sure. You, you want to do a case study? Are you struggling with any distractions in your life? We can make you the I am struggling here. with several distractions. Uh, we got a new coaching program that's been, uh, that, that we're launching right now. And I find that uh, between the book launch and many other things, I find myself sometimes all over the place. Not every day, but some days more yeah. than others. Um, I find myself yeah. like working out too much or doing things that are not, you know, focused on uh, on what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, totally. That's a great example, right? Working out is very healthy, but if it takes you away from what you said you were going to do, now it's a distraction. It's not traction. So we talked about step number one is mastering those internal triggers. Let me just talk about the four steps to becoming indistractable. And then we can dive into this problem specifically, because I think that'll be a lot of fun for the audience to like hear what struggle you're going through and see if we can solve that for you. So step number one is to master the internal triggers, to have tools in your toolkit ready to go so that when you feel stressed, anxious, lonely, bored, whatever the case might be, you don't escape those sensations. You lean into them. You know what to do about them without resorting to dis distraction, but rather by focusing on traction. So we can talk about some of those tools in a minute. Step two is making time for traction, making time for traction here. This is a very, very important lesson. I want everybody to write this down. You cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. Okay. I'm going to say that again. You can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So unless you are a child or retired, you have to keep a time box schedule. To-do lists, don't cut it. To-do lists are probably one of the worst things you can do for your personal productivity. If all you do is write things down, you are shooting yourself in the foot. Rather, a much better technique is to put time in your calendar for what you want to do. Because if you can't look at your calendar and say, this is what I said I was going to do in advance, then nothing is a distraction because what did you get distracted from? Mm -hmm. So you've got to have a time box calendar, okay? It's part of being a grown up in the working world today. You have to have a time box calendar. I'm sorry, folks. If, you, if, if your life is perfect, you don't need this episode. But if you're not doing what you know you're capable of, if you're not living the kind of life you know you can live to your full and utmost potential, this is a big reason why because you're not turning your values into time. Okay, so that's step number two. Step number three, hacking back the external triggers, making sure that all those pings, dings, and rings, our kids, meetings, colleagues, coworkers, that those are turned off, that we have the ability to hack back those external triggers. And I know what many people are thinking. They say, oh, but my clients, but my boss, but my kids, they all need me. I tell you how to deal with every single one of those factors in my book. I've heard thousands of excuses. I've never been able to be shot down by any one of them. There is an answer to every single solitary excuse I've ever heard out there. Step number four is to is to prevent distraction with pacts, which is where we have a safeguard, a, a, a firewall against distraction by making some kind of pact. And we can talk about that later if we have time as well. So with those four steps, master internal triggers, make time for traction, hack back external triggers, prevent distraction with pacts. These four techniques in concert can turn anybody into an indistractable person. So let's dive into your issue. Tell me something you plan to do Okay, something that you said in advance, this is what I'm going to do, and you got distracted from it. Give me a real example. So, for example, when we create video content for our funnels, it is uh, sometimes very nerve-wracking because I'm looking at different ways, lighting and things. Sometimes I even have someone here that's ready to record, 
And then I feel this, this kind of, uh, heavy, you know, chest like feeling. And, uh, the first thing that I do when I, when I feel like that, because I've been trained to, I, I used to have a bit of anxiety back in the day. Uh, what do I do? Some push-ups, go for a run, do something again to, to get that feeling, uh, out of my system. And then they'll let you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes went by, no video was recorded and I'm back to square one. And so that happened right. several times uh, in the past. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Terrific. All right. So step number one, we got to find a way to deal with those internal triggers in a healthier manner. Okay. So there's a lot of things you can do about that. One technique, have you tried the 10 minute rule? No. Okay. So this is going to change your life. I didn't invent this rule. This comes from acceptance and commitment therapy. It's been validated in many studies. It's a very simple technique. Here's what I want you to try. Next time you're trying to do that work, whatever it might be. In your case, it's editing the video. I want you to tell yourself, look, I can go do that other thing. Okay. I can go take that run. I can go check email. I can go do whatever it is that I feel like I need to go do right now, but not right now. I'm going to do it in 10 minutes. Okay. So you set a timer for just 10 minutes and your job for those 10 minutes is to sit in your chair, take a deep breath, and I want you to surf the urge, okay? Surfing the urge acknowledges that these feelings, whether it's anxiety, whether it's stress, whether it's uncertainty, these uncomfortable internal triggers, they're like waves. They crest and then they subside, okay? So you wanna teach yourself that these emotions, these uncomfortable sensations of, are temporary and fleeting, and you don't need to go do something else to escape them. You need to learn how to process those sensations and surf them like a surfer on a surfboard, okay? So you're gonna surf the urge. So what I want you to do is next time you feel that sensation that, oh, I just wanna go do that other thing that ends up being a distraction. And by the way, this can be used whether it's distractions at work, whether it's uh, you're on a, a diet and you're trying not to eat that chocolate cake or smoke that cigarette, it doesn't matter. Take this time and say, I'm going to, for 10 minutes, I'm just going to surf the urge. And what I want you to do is to repeat a mantra that's useful for you. So my mantra, you can make up your own mantra. Yeah. My mantra, when I had this, these difficult experiences is this, my mantra is I tell myself, this is what it feels like to get better. Wow. This is what it feels like to get better. So you're turning that anxious, that anxiety, that uncomfortable feeling not to a bad thing that needs to be escaped with distraction, but rather into an asset so that you're telling yourself, this is what I feel this, this feeling right now that's maybe uncomfortable because that's what growth feels like. So I used to have this with stage fright. Okay, I'm a professional public speaker. You do not want to be have stage fright if you're a professional public speaker, right? Not the, the kind of career you would choose. And every time I'd go on stage, my heart would start pumping, my pits would get sweaty, and I'd start telling myself this negative self-talk of maybe I have some kind of anxiety disorder. Maybe I'm not a real, you know, maybe I'm a phony. Maybe uh, I'm going to bomb this. And I'd have all this negative self-talk. Now, before I get on stage, I still get the, the pumping heart. I still get the sweaty pits. But instead, I tell myself, this is what it feels like to get better. This is my body preparing myself by pumping more blood to my brain so it has enough oxygen to give to give the best possible talk. So it's about reframing that emotion as a positive, something that you control, something that in fact you choose. And this is critical. Cho choice is a critical factor. Telling yourself, I want to do this. I want to edit this video. This is a privilege. This is what it feels like to get better. And what you will find is for if you can just do that for 10 minutes, and anytime you want, by the way, you can get back to the task at hand, but don't go do that distraction yeah. for just 10 minutes. 
And if at the end of those 10 minutes, you still want to check email or eat the chocolate cake or whatever it is, go do something else. Fine, do it. But what you will find is that by showing yourself, hey, you know what? Yeah, I can last for 10 minutes. You can do just about anything for 10 minutes. Hey, the 10 minute rule now becomes the 12 minute rule, becomes the 15 minute, becomes the 12, uh, 20 minute rule. And you start proving to yourself, hey, I do have the power to delay these distractions a little bit further. So that's step number one, mastering the internal trigger. Step, second question, did you have time on your calendar to edit that video? Or did you just do it whenever you got to it? It's funny you say that because uh, I, I go through phases, analog uh, to-do lists or analog uh, time boxing. Then I go back on an app. Right now, since I started launching this new book, I've been using the good old like piece of paper, time boxing, morning work, uh, afternoon work and whatnot. Uh, but okay. right, when I didn't, it was like that. It just was an item on my to-do list. I needed to do it by the end yes. of the day. It didn't matter what time yes. or, or where I was. Yes. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> Here's why. The wrong metric of success is did I finish? Yeah. Do you hear what I said? People right now, their heads are exploding listening to me right now because we've all been trained. I got to write stuff down so I can check a little box when I finish it. And yeah. that is awful. This is what I call the tyranny of the to-do list, okay? Yeah. Don't measure yourself by how many cute little boxes you checked off, okay? Instead, the right metric is from this day forward, did I do what I said I was going to do for as long as I said I would without distraction? Yeah. Did I do what I said I was going to do for as long as I said I would without distraction? This technique beats to-do lists. It eats them for breakfast, okay? Yeah. This is so much better. Why? Because what people do when they say, oh, I just need to edit that video, okay? You have no idea how long that's going to take you. So you you know it's a hard task. So you delay and procrastinate. You let it, you do, you check your email first. You go to the gym. You do a million things other than just that hard task you need to get to that you know is going to take you a long time. Instead, what I want you to do is to say, I'm just going to work on this task for 30 minutes. And then I will force myself to stop. No yeah. more than 30, heck, 15 minutes, doesn't matter. But yeah. only for that period of time. But for that period of time, I don't want you to do anything but only work on that one task. Why? Because then you will have a feedback mechanism. This is the problem with to-do lists. To-do lists give you no feedback on how long things take you. Yeah. Whereas a time box calendar, if you say, hey, look, I worked on this task for 30 minutes and I got about 10% done, that means I'm going to budget 300 minutes to finish the entire 100% of the task. But you can only do that if you time box the time. And I want you to time box less time than you think is going to, you're going to, that's going to take you to complete it. I only want you to time box to start just that 30 minutes, yeah. but only focus on that for 30 minutes because now you're building that agency, that, that sense of accomplishment that, hey, I can do this. Turns out that studies find, that people who use this time boxing technique and measure themselves just by their ability to stay on task and not get distracted, they actually finish more. They get more done than the yeah. to-do list people. So that's step number two. Make sure you have that time on your cal calendar budgeted for that task and don't measure yourself by whether you finish. Measure yourself by your ability to work on that task without distraction. That's step number two. Step number three, External trigger. Did you have any pings, dings, or rings? Uh, colleagues, kids, anything that might have taken you off track? It has happened in the past. Um, I've gone much, much better um, at doing this as I uh, probably uh, 
like I think I told you when we first reconnected again last month, uh, your book actually helped me finish my book in a way where when I sat down, it was time boxing. I put my noise canceling headphones. Uh, my wife knew that it was that signal that I was working on my book. So no matter what was happening around the house, um, I was there left to, to, you know, to my book, uh, phone on do not disturb but it has happened in the Beautiful. past where i'm right in the middle of doing something important and you know my my assistants messaged me so in theory it's something good but in reality it was something that could have waited until i was done and that was absolutely was. <laughs> right and, and it doesn't have to be all day right you don't have to be indistractable all day but for those 30 minutes nothing from your assistant can't wait for 30 minutes yeah. okay so make sure you turn off all those pings dings and rings there if, if it's a real emergency that you can you know people can read my book there's all kinds of things you can do like do not disturb while driving uh there's all kinds of modes and functions that you can use on your phone to make sure that those really really important messages get through but it almost never happens so okay let's say you're doing that fourth and final step preventing distraction with pacts did you use any kind of pacts to make sure you did that task that you said you were going to work on so what I have done, I have done something uh, the opposite, actually, with my wife, where it was I had a set time period that I was supposed to work on my on my book. Uh, and if I didn't do that, uh, I had to really do something that I didn't want to do. I'm not going to mention all the things that uh, that I said, you know, work around the house, paying my wife's money, like yeah. donating money to somewhere else. But we definitely uh, had packs um, between us at, at home. OK, ourselves. so you. you you know these techniques it's just a matter of applying them to this new task for a, a video and it could be that it's you know different context you know a lot of times people fall into this trap of thinking well this isn't that hard i don't need to apply these indistractable techniques and then they procrastinate and procrastinate it takes them longer and longer to do a simple task those are sometimes the the worst task because we know we can do them when we actually get to work it takes us no time at all but it's just getting over the hump of actually doing the task so we you and i both know if i uh, i think we lost the video again yeah that's Sorry. okay We're okay one well, i guess we'll just continue the audio yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so in closing, when you use these packs, you know, if you have some kind of price packed or effort packed or identity packed, and there's of course a lot more of this in, in my book as well, that is the last line of defense to make sure you do what you do, so you, that you, what you say you're going to do and make sure you're indistractable. So using these four techniques in concert, it sounds like you already know them. It's just a matter of applying them to this new, uh, a new difficult task. Absolutely. Nir, it was a pleasure having you back on our show. Uh, I want to ask you, where can people find you online? Because I know that my listeners will want to know more about you, your book and your work, your books and your work. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, my website is nearandfar.com. Nir spelled like my first name, N-I-R andfar.com. Uh, and if you go to indistractable.com, there's actually an 80 page workbook. That's absolutely free. Uh, we, we didn't fit into the final edition of the book. So we decided to make it available for everyone for free. And that's available at indistractable.com. That's spelled I N the word distract a B L E. Awesome. Again, Nir, thank you so much for being on the remote CEO show. I'm looking forward to having you maybe even a third time in the future. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at DeNiroB. 
D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B, and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.